0: you're watching deprogrammed this is the new culture forum's latest show committed to fighting back against the forces of ideological conformity particularly among the young my name's harrison pitt i'm a senior editor at the european conservative and i'm thrilled to be joined today as ever by evan riggs who is a freelance journalist and our special guest this week winston marshall a musician formerly guitarist for the mumford and son's band and currently a podcaster now winston uh, th- there is talk at the moment of anti-Israel protests taking place on the 11th of November disturbing the usual solemnity and patriotic focus of R- Remembrance Day. Uh, should this be allowed to go ahead, do you think?
1: Well, I'll start by saying, if I can just a little bit of context, that this has been quite emotional for me. I, I, um, I was down in Whitehall on October 9th, which was two, day, two days after the Hamas massacre. Of course, 1,400 Israelis were brutally butchered and 224 taken hostage. And the the mood amongst the various, mainly Jews, on Whitehall was was quite, was solemn, but some, somewhat beautiful. They were singing hymns together. Uh, we had Israeli flags and, and it was, dis, despite the horror, it was a sort of a, there was a beauty in the, in, the, in the grief. Mm. That night, a couple hours later, taking the tube home I was face to face with a young man who was wearing a, a Palestinian kefir around his head and was sauntering jubilantly
0: mm.
1: on the tube. Yeah. And I later saw online what had been happening that night outside the Israel Embassy Embassy Mm. the um, celebrations and they were celebrations and this is before Israel had responded and I was confronted with this guy in the streets of London and it was I was filled both with unbelievable anger but also I I kind of wanted to break down as well and I, so I removed myself from the situation and I I'll say one more thing is that uh, well, I'll say a couple more things before I get to the answer because it's, you want it's to the say. context I want to give. Of course. At the uh, Battle of Ideas Festival which is also just around the corner uh, which you were organising, Evan. That was at the same time as another pro-Palestine mm-hmm. march <coughs> but and I had to walk through some of those crowds to get to Battle of Ideas I heard, free from, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. I heard, Israel is a terrorist state. It wasn't pro-Palestine, mm. it was anti-Israel and it was it deeply disturbing. For more context also, I've had many Jewish friends emailing me, contacting me, telling me they can't send their kids to school. As we know, four schools were closed in London. Mm-hmm. Various of my Jewish friends their synagogues have been closed. It's not safe for them to be open. This is in London mm-hmm. in 2023. I mean, we're getting close to Kristallnacht style uh, level of yes. um, uh, anti-Semitism, and in, and in, 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 and it's it's ho- it's horrifying. And um, I not that it matters, but my grandma was a Holocaust survivor as well. So this is really quite quite shocking, and. The last bit of context before we talk about Armistice Day of course. is that imagine like yourself, you're Canadian so uh, you also fought alongside the Allies, mm-hmm. your, your forefathers and the Allies to defeat Nazism. This is a sacred day for us and it is to be held around the Centre itself which is a sacred monument. I'm saying a lot of the things that everyone already knows. So you ask me, should it go ahead? Should it be allowed to go ahead? Should it be allowed to go ahead? Well, so it certainly shouldn't go ahead, but should it be allowed to go ahead? As a liberal, I believe in free mm-hmm. speech and so I think it should be go- allowed to go ahead.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that, that they would do it on that day. It's, there's some argument, oh, we're not doing at the 11 a.m. two minutes silence, we're doing it later in the day. It's irrelevant, it's a sacred day for us. It's mm-hmm. as sacred as Christmas day, you, you, that day you do not touch. Mm. It's de- deliberately provocative doing on the, that day they could do it the day after or the day before they choose that day, knowing that um, I think absolutely let them do it. all it does is show, as I have witnessed, it shows the rest of the country how vast this problem we have of antiSemitism in our in our country. I think also and perhaps you have, you're, I mean for sure you'll have an opinion on this, there's Tom, Tommy Robinson's saying he should uh, um, descend upon London and uh, Defend the Cenotaph. Defend the Cenotaph. I think that's a really bad idea because all that's going to happen is the thugs will probably cross the line, they won't be able to contain themselves and or they'll it, be, or
0: they'll be provoked by the anti-Israel protesters already there, who may throw things at them, and that's. Okay. Either way, either it doesn't, way matter, it doesn't matter. Doesn't right? matter. The, the, because the narrative what will happen, will shift. The narrative will shift. Will to shift. be a
1: right, it will be like the right-wing,
0: far rights on the far right
1: on the march. Yes. Which, by the way, all of this stuff, there's something scary that the far right might be a big reaction to mm-hmm. all of this movement that's going on, right that's a, that's maybe another conversation. But the likes of, of Tommy Robinson, I think, should stay away. Let these people do you know, we've seen them chasing down people of Israel flags mm-hmm. we've seen them screaming to kill the Yahud mm-hmm. we, we've see, we've it's, it's all we, over
0: We, we saw a, um, a, 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 a a First World War Memorial in Rotherham defaced yesterday, I don't know whether you saw that on Twitter yeah. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's sort of graffitied free Palestine all over mm-hmm. it. so we've seen these sorts of things taking place already, yes? Yeah, absolutely
2: but I mean that's the that's the fate of every monument now unless the, the British government is willing to actually kind of enforce some uh, yes. law and order is that any sort of sacred monument is going to be kind of distorted into something demoralizing because nothing they're unwilling to actually protect kind of these these cherished items. I mean, you can think of even Winston Churchill in a a big box. I mean, is that the fate of the cenotaph? Yes. I mean, it it seems pretty likely to me at this point.
0: Indeed. And I think the I I actually agree with you, by the way, Um, I'm less um, attached to the, the idea that they have a sacred right to do so. Um, we can maybe get into that. D- d- Sorry, it's that the anti-Israel Israel protesters have, a, have have a sort of democratic right to do what they will want to do on Saturday. I, for example, I, I, it's not you don't have a you don't have a. I would say again, this is a matter of technicality. I don't think you have a right to choose which route you take on a, on, on any given protest. That, so technically, I don't think there would be anything. Uh, viola- violative of their civil rights. If we were to say, "Okay, you can do it here, but you can't do it o- well, along Whitehall," <laughs> regardless but, of rights, I
2: would I would say that it's a good idea to let it go ahead because it will be another mask off moment. I mean, just yes, as we saw the in the the point. days after the the massacre in Israel, we, there were many people who wrote articles saying, "Like I went to bed on October seventh a progressive, and I mm-hmm. woke up a conservative," and that's only escalated over the past month and will continue to do so. And I feel like this mm-hmm. is going to be the the second blow of the kind of two hit knockout combo is going to be this weekend when people yes. realized like, oh, it's not just a hundred thousand people marching for free Palestine. It's literally <laughs> tens of thousands of people who are willing to battle with English. You know, you saw the, the, the guy in the tube who was attacking a man simply for wearing a poppy, mm-hmm. not, not in defense of Palestine, but in a, in a kind of a laden maneuver against I mean, what you might consider the, yeah. the host population or, or culture of this country. Yeah, it,
0: underscores, it underscores the fact that under the, the sort of rates of immigration that we have seen from, from, from very culturally different parts of the world, all of a sudden Britain, as you say, the host culture's traditions are forced to compete with the tribalistic um, ethnocentric hobby horses of people who would put the politics of the Middle East before britain's own social cohesion or britain's own cultural heritage and and i, I agree this is what, as a, as a tactical thing i actually don't think it would be the worst idea for people at home who perhaps reassure themselves with the idea that britain's culture isn't under attack um, that it actually is in a in a very serious way and that if we were to if we were to continue with the rates of demographic transformation that we have seen over the last 20 to 30 years we're only going to see more of this we're only going to see more in the way of ethnic conflict more in the way of you know, in, in, interracial strife, in, inter- interreligious sure strife, all these it's, sorts it's of things.
1: Ethnic. I don't even think you need to go there. It's not an ethnic issue.
0: This one isn't. Mm. Um, this one has a has a has a, a very strong religious dimension, of course, and so this is sort of sense of ethno-religious kinship. I mean, there's a reason, for example, why people. Um, I mean, I, I read a, 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 um, an account of one of the protests where they were talking about how Turkish flags were being shown. It wasn't just Palestinian flags being shown. And it's interesting because some people will, some people on the left, people like Aaron Bastani, for example, will hide behind the idea, well, no, this is just a humanitarian march and we want the, the bombing to stop and all the rest of it. But these people aren't universalists. They don't care about every portion of the, of the world equally because, I mean, only last month, Azerbaijan, with the help of Turkey, it turns out, Um, ethnically cleansed uh, you know significant numbers of armenians and no one cared so i do think there is an ethno-religious dimension to it which dictates which parts of the world these people are attached to and which parts of the world they're not attached to but we've seen in leicester it it, it certainly has been ethnic conflict i mean between pakistanis and and indians of course i mean it can it can take that form as well so i think it varies the extent to which ethnicity is the driving Motivation of these people it's the driving feature of their collective I don't, I, so human I'm psychology. I'm going to challenge you because I don't sure.
1: actually think that's the case. Um, I don't think it's an ethnic issue in the sense that it's an eth- it's one ethno demographic of Britain acting a certain way. It might it might cro- it might sort of Venn diagram up neatly, but or, or or not neatly, but sort of. But it's actually irrelevant to the issue. It's you got it the other way round, and I, so the way in which it's ethnic is that it's the Jews that they are attacking.
0: I, the only one I said was ethnic was the, was, was the, was the, were the scenes we saw in Leicester, where I, th- I, mean, it,
1: I mean Yes, sorry, but so, so I'm re- referring to these specific marches and I'll give you an example. When I went on the Uyghur march in 2020 for the Uyghur Muslims, mm. of whom there's between 1 and 3 million in concentration camps in Xinjiang, in mm. Western China. Mm. I was, it was the biggest march. I was one of 25 people. Yes. Mm. I think there were like if there there a handful of muslims by the way i was also at the Uyghur Uyghur tribunal at church house in 2021 Mm. half the room were jews sticking up for the Uyghur muslims the first newspaper to put the Uyghur muslims on the front cover was the jewish news
0: Mm.
1: when it comes to this muslims didn't turn up for yes the Uyghurs. they have not turned up for um the, very, the Yemenis, they haven't turned up for the various Muslims around the world who have uh, uh, been butchered, slaughtered, killed en masse. They only care yes. when it's Palestine. Mm. And so it's ethnic in the sense that it's the Jews that they care about they don't, it, it's it's not ethnic in the sense that I'm they are, it's Arabs or it's... Undoubtedly true Undoubtedly if it was
2: uh, this thing of ethnic kinship I mean Egypt could have opened the border to the Palestinians No, no you know, 40 look, years ago All I'm
1: trying,
0: all, all I'm saying, don't, misunder- don't misunderstand me, all I'm saying is that clearly um, ethnicity is another fault line along which we can see these kind of conflicts take place and I, I, I would agree with you that anti-semitism is a very important motivator and to that extent it is um, it's the it, motivator it, it, in this case, yes, yeah, it, 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 it is ethnic. But I mean, you you will also see instances where certain communities, partly because they associate their religious heritage with a sort of ethno heritage, will care about sort of Kashmir as well. For example, in which mm-hmm. there are no Jews. I mean, people will fight over that sort of thing as well. So all I'm saying is that the more like w- w- that, the the more that you um, divide your society along all sorts of lines, religion being a very important one. Clearly, I think that's the strongest motivator in in, in, in this case. Um, ethnicity being another. I mean. It, it's just it's just a fact i mean the the parts of the world which are the least cohesive tend to be the places where there is the most diversity diversity defined by along whatever metric you you choose it whether it's tribal diversity in places like liberia whether it's ethnic diversity in places like the congo i mean you do get religious diversity in lebanon making it very a a, a very dysfunctional tribalistic battleground whereas the most homogenous societies in the world with populations of over a million are the three most south korea japan and, and denmark which are mu- which have much more in the way of social trust and cohesion and consensus based democratic democratic politics works better under those conditions on the whole what we're seeing what we've seen over the last few weeks i would agree with you is primarily an instance of how uh, a, a sense of religious kinship um, and, and a sense of ethnic, ha- uh, know, our, our then, group so, hatred so I, can so cause, again, can cause social would, unrest. I don't
1: want to trip up for listeners, and, and maybe yeah. this is all semantics on the, on the word ethnic, because even then, I think the key is not the sort of the biological ethnicity, whatever that means. It's more the ethnos, as in yeah. the sense of a shared story. It means people. It means, it
0: means pe- culture. It basically, yeah. I would I would translate it as peoplehood in Greek. That's basically what we're talking about. Hmm.
1: Well, I
2: mean, one one of the things that I want to ask you, Winston, is kind of the corollary to this. So, like I said, you know, we had progressives go from progressive to conservative, but I think now what we're seeing not only in, in Britain, but in many different parts of Europe is kind of conservative go to far right. I mean, however you want to define that, basically everybody is shifting massively rightwards as these kind of these issues become much more salient. And I, I wonder, you know what do you think the the response to all this is going to be from within you know what you might call the british far right or what you might call the people who are on the british center who might be getting pushed farther out to the to i don't know what you would call it the tip of a political bell curve where there's very few people but they hold a very very strong belief and i don't think these like dispassioned cries to come out and say like okay like please don't show up and protest please don't um please don't cause a scene at the cenotaph I don't think it's going to work because it only takes one person. And I think in the last month we've seen probably, I don't know, tens of thousands within Britain become more highly radicalized than we ideally would have liked to. Do you think this is... Where are
1: you getting that from?
2: It's just, it's just my gut feeling on this. It's just, I, I feel that there's, a, there's been a real ratcheting in the past month and I think that, I mean, you can even look in other countries like Germany, uh, the AFD now at 25%. I mean, I don't know, there are certainly elements of the AFD that are far right, but it's it's very hard at the same time to consider a political party that one in four people in a country are voting for to be far to do anything.
1: Yeah, so look, in in in, in Britain, we ha- we are the immigration is, is unbelievably out of control. Six hundred thousand net last year. We're on for similar or worse numbers this year. Mm-hmm. Um, now w- it's been clear since brexit like the two most popular reasons people voted for rec- brexit one is for sovereignty mm-hmm. and two was to control the borders so it's clear that there's a desire from the people to control the borders but i don't think that's a hard right position don't at all so i'm i don't think the, the 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 question is that there's a people have been pushed rightwards i think it's just that the the left uh, who are anti mm. any sort of border are louder and been considered more centrist than they actually are. Yes. Mm. Uh, so I, I'm I'm not prepared to accept being closed border is in any way a far right position. M-
0: maybe we should ask you what you mean by far right. Then in this I'm case. not
2: saying it is. I, again,
0: what do you you, mean, when you say far right, what are you talking about? What do you mean?
2: I'm talking about like real blood and soil nationalism and also probably
0: Vigilant, vigilante violence. That vigilante
2: sort of violence. I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, more explicit anti-Zionism. You know, I think all of these things are about to make a, like a real resurgence. The longer this conflict, you goes mean on,
0: anti-Zionism among the native British population, not, or, or do you mean, I mean among new, new, arri- new arrivals?
2: Yeah, well, both. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean,
1: that's the weird thing about. Well, by the yeah. way, there is. You're right to bring up the, the. Well, I would say that I don't. I think Matt Goodwin in his his book about populism, mm-hmm. put it at about five percent or something. Is that is hard like hard right, far sure. right. Um, uh, the kind of wacko nationalists, mm. and I don't suspect that's changed that much. I think it's consistent, like that stays there, but what I have seen on social media, which I can't give sort of percentages or uh, uh, facts on, but a lot of people ha- who, uh, on the right, through the Israel-Hamas conflict, have come out anti-zionist anti-semitic i was like oh wow like mm. there's a lot of anti-semites what, on the right. what, is, what kind of, what, what, what kind of things
0: it. have you seen and what, what are people saying
1: one guy i hadn't actually heard of this guy before is it harry winkle uh he's spouting unbelievable anti-semitic crap um uh, a lot of people jumping to calling what israel are doing a genocide which is mm. just shows just complete historic illiteracy and it's just, wrong. just illiteracy, it's just wrong. you don't understand so what a genocide is yeah, yeah. Um, and um, there's a lot of people on the right it is emerging who are it turns out have the anti-semitic bone mm. and, and you're seeing that on twitter the weird way they, they can't really handle what Jews are, who Jews are now it's not quite as they're not taking to the streets in the same way that the anti-Semitic left are taking to the mm. streets. You know, your Jeremy Corbyn's or your Chris Williams, Chris Williamson, is it? Um, those types, uh, but th- that definitely exists on the right. So I, you know, but not you know, not, like, but
0: not in significant enough numbers, you, you believe, to, to shift the dial of British politics in in in, a, in, a, in 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 a meaningful and alarming way.
1: It's tricky one to tell, like someone like uh, Tommy Robinson, who. I had thought was far-right. He is very pro-Israel. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: And so there's an element of the far-right who are pro-Israel, who are pro Zionists. but I I guess there's a tradition of that as well, get the Jews out. It's also quite an amusing... um, I don't know if that's the case for Tommy Robinson, I don't really understand what he thinks. Well, it's quite quite
0: an amusing fact as well, because people will talk about how Tommy Robinson has certain Uh, criminal criminal record behind him and they they will talk about they will refer if they're condemning him in passing to the fact that he uh, has been uh, uh, convicted of assault before but what they won't mention is that one of the times he did get convicted of assault was when a, a Nazi tried to grab hold of an actual Nazi tried to grab hold of the microphone at an EDL r- rally and Tommy Robinson headbutted him. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so he's, he's, a comp- he's difficult to, to classify. I definitely agree with you though, that, that regardless of what you think of what's in his head on in his intentions, whether we think his intentions are benign, whether we think his intentions are not benign, whatever you think about that, it is fundamentally imprudent and unwise move at this time to, to, to allow the narrative to be anything other than look how indifferent the, the, the political left and tribalistic members of minority communities are to British culture and isn't that a shock? Does, doesn't that stand, st- doesn't that confront us as a, as, a, as, a, as a very alarming refutation of many, many of the polite fictions we tell ourselves about how you know, diversity is our strength and all the rest of it.
2: Mm. I would go as far as to say that it's not just indifferent, but actively hostile to yes, it. That's indifferent or hostile, indeed. Bodies, so. and
0: I mean, to just, 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 just to illustrate the, the kind of hostility that's required, I completely agree with you when you say that, the, uh, given that Britain is a much more secular country today, this is a point which Nigel Farage made, uh, n- national occasions like Remembrance Day are the closest thing that we have in Britain in the 21st century to something like a religious holiday, to something like Ramadan for the Muslims. For example. Imagine if tons and tons of pasty white British expats decided to descend on Mecca and use it as a staging ground for grinding tribal grievances they had about what was going on in Britain. Imagine how that would be interpreted by the Saudis, quite rightly, I would argue. And and, and it signals the same kind of disrespect. And I I, I don't think that we should tolerate this. And when I say that, I don't mean that we shouldn't let it go ahead, but it should be incredibly sobering for us. And it it, it should dictate the way that we think about politics over the next decade in a very serious and meaningful sense. The problem is that we don't have a political vehicle to, 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 to do many of the things, in a civilised fashion, not in a vigilante fashion, but to do many of the civilised things, to do in a civilised way, many of the things that we presumably think need, need to happen on this score. Um, you're a member of the... The key gone Go on, go, on, it, on, go on.
1: And the thing that no one's talking about, for which I do not have a good answer, despite having worked on it a great deal, is assimilation. Mm-hmm. Mm. Politically, we don't know how to talk about assimilation. Mm-hmm. I worked on Hong Konger assimilation when the B&O scheme started in, in January twenty twenty two. Earlier twenty one, I think. Was it again? And um, I, I was at, I was very in favour of it, and we've had about I think about one hundred fifty thousand Hong Kongers arrive, no trouble. <laughs> and uh, uh, one of, one of the reasons for the reason mm. uh, for the Hong Kongers not mm. being trouble is because. Being a Hong Konger themselves, they sort of already wore mm-hmm. half a British hat. Mm. Yeah. They okay, they didn't have democracy like we had it, but they had the rule of law, and they and they had a British values to some extent, which they'd had since 1842 or whenever. Hong Many Kong British
0: flags here. at their protests, weren't
1: there? Many mm-hmm. British flags. They were singing British uh, yeah. Christian hymns. Another aspect about it is that about half of them who have come over are Christians. Mm. Uh, so assimilation is much easier. The Ukraine again, like cr- Ukraine it's different because they're moving into people's homes, so mm-hmm. assimilation has been forced assimilation. like that's the best kind of assimilation you can have, you're in people's homes sharing a bloody kitchen and a bathroom, yes. of course you're assimilating and they're Christians, or the or, orthodox. Or, or,
0: or and, I, I, and if I may say very quickly Winston, I've also been to uh, Ukrainian refugee centres because the people that are taking them, the brunt of the refugees are uh, the Hungarians and the Polish and I've been to Ukrainian refugee centres in Hungary, not a single fighting age male there either. Which, and obviously, that's going to cause, store up more problems for, for a society if all of re- the refugees are. Yeah, and by definition, so rather, all, it's the women and children that They're all have women and, they're and children. Yeah. And it's the same, so the, it's the same, that's that's another dimension. But anyway, but, but as the, you were saying. But
1: the, how do you have the conversation about assimilation? Because that's. So I ran some Hong Konger assimilation groups, which it, it was worthwhile doing, uh, but kind of an easy task if you compare it to other parts of the country, uh, other world that we're trying to bring, that are coming to Britain how, you know... Far less
0: culturally proximate to us. Different yeah.
1: religions, complete different worldviews, different language... Different histories. Different history, different concept of law and mm-hmm. legality, it's... It, it's complete, it, it's just... there's very little common ground.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just very quickly, can I ask you, I'm just generally genuinely quite curious. What do you mean when you say you took part in these assimilation programmes?
1: I right. ran a Hong Kong link-up which was a, a Hong Kong assimilation group where we would bring together Hong Kongers and Brits
0: yeah.
1: um, to help them settle down find schools for their kids get them registered at a local GP set them up with bank accounts mm-hmm. uh, have you know weekly calls on what British life is Was it
0: purely logistical or was there a cultural dimension to it as well?
1: There's a cultural dimension to it as well
0: which consisted of, I'm just curious, I don't don't actually know how these things work in our country this is something that
2: I've brought up on this show many times but I'll ask you more directly because I've been trying to write an essay now for the past two weeks on assimilation and finding it just about damn near impossible Uh, do you think that true kind of 100% assimilation is even possible? I don't mean becoming like a law-abiding member of a country and paying your taxes and fitting in and not causing problems and having friends and enjoying mm-hmm. it here, you know, all things that I would consider myself, but you know, as, as, as I've pointed out, it's like I could stay here the rest of my life and get British citizenship, but I probably wouldn't be British. Maybe my kids could
1: be. Do you think that's, I, do you I think that's don't. possible? Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, agree with that because I think there's a long history of the kind of uh, free born Englishman where it's kind of like a I can't think of their names, these sort of old stories of people who weren't indigenous Englishmen but who carried themselves like Englishmen and were treated like Englishmen. Um, And so I I do think, maybe that's old fashioned of me, but I do think you can be. um, I've just got to work on my posture. Yeah. Yeah. uh, What did (laughs) he (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, after, I've never noticed, it noticed that it's particularly bad, is it? It's pretty... Brutal. I, I sure. only I, see you sitting down I'm so. putting it on for the camera <laughs> Well okay, so you, okay Well, I'm
1: not ethnically, I'm, I'm half, I'm not even, I'm maybe a quarter English like Yes uh, So this is,
0: the, this, this is so what the way I like to define it uh, personally, the way I like to answer this question I'd, I'd neither like to go the Jacob Rees-Mogg route of saying well if you've got a passport and if you obey the law then you're British which is basically what he thinks as far as I can work out but nor obviously do i want to go down the hard ethno-nationalist route of saying well you need to have this exact number of dna and if right. you don't then break you're, up the 23 main, yeah and yeah. then if and if you don't then you're some kind of intolerable pollutant it needs to be you like i don't want to go down that route either the reason why the thing i found most persuasive about what you were saying is when if you were to marry a british girl and have children here i think that your ch- your children would be british because all of a sudden they would uh, feel an, an instinctive sense of intergenerational attachment so i, I like to locate it in terms of c- can i do, do i do, do i feel an instinctive sense that i'm living in a country that was that my ancestors played a part in that's where i would want to locate mm. it and so that way you neither way you it. neither have to go down the route of being a hard ethnonat and nor do you have to go down the route of being a complacent a complacent civic nationalist if you locate it in terms of generational attachment, so when I look So if you don't have generational
2: attachment, you can't be very
0: Well, I mean, Evan's here, I mean, I, I'm not saying he's a problem, I'm just saying that he, I mean, he, I mean, you're saying this, you're saying that you would struggle to feel this, it's not, I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not I, judging this you I like this, this country
2: you. far more than the countries that I have citizenship in but yeah. I would struggle to call myself British and I think a lot of people would as well Yeah,
1: yeah but if you, okay, so then the, the case example would be uh, someone, a, fa- a family come over and they have a kid here Mm. And that kids lived here the whole their entire life. Does you don't? They wouldn't have an ancestral I, I'm link.
0: Not, yeah, they so, wouldn't. They wouldn't. And so
1: they wouldn't. Yes, that wouldn't fit your your
0: well, model. Well, it's not my model. So I'm, I'm trying to. I'm not going to give a model for how things should be. I'm trying to describe things how I think they really are. And how they really work at scale, particularly at scale. That's a very important aspect of this psych- psycholog- psychologically for human beings. And so um, I suppose what I would say is is this. Uh, and i think there's a tendency for for, for people like us actually and I, I used to think this way myself to locate what it means to be british or what it means to be spanish or what it means to be polish whatever in the like located in terms of ideas and values it's hard that's a hard that thing hold. to do but, yeah. yeah but we but there's a t- an attempt to locate it in values and, and I, vivek does this in, in america for example he says you're american if you have american values if you read the constitution and you like it then you're american um i don't think that's quite how it works because i don't I, for most people i don't think that their sense of national belonging is an intellectual affair i think it is an emotional affair i think it i think it, it is conditioned by a sense as i say that when i for example look at westminster abbey there's an instinctive sense that gosh uh, I, m- my ancestors were involved in what in whatever this wonderful thing is you know? yeah but
1: the but the, the emotional side of it is somewhat intellectual and well, i'll give you an example my mother mm. is a french woman mm-hmm. in she you couldn't meet someone more french than this person, <laughs> it's, it's like she's a pastiche of what a French woman would be but neither of her parents were French. Mm-hmm. Her, her father was Italian, her mother was Jewish. They came after the settled in France mm. after the war. So she wouldn't have that mm. legacy, but she couldn't be, you, you, she couldn't be from anywhere else, she is patri. Well, yes. She's so patriotically French that in a typical French way she's very anti-French yeah. <laughs> and she like, you know, has yeah, yeah, yeah. adopted Britishness in, 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 a, in a sense. Yeah but so I I don't I I think that's the same for Britain I, that uh, uh you it's not you don't have to literally have had the ancestors but if you adopt the sense that they were your ancestors they were they, yes exactly they, well, even, even if they were not literally your ancestors yes. if they what they bequeathed us is yes. something that you you carry with the pride as if you were a literal yes. ancestor. Mm. That's what I. I think like
0: that, and I think the, the point the basic point I'm trying to make is that because there are going to be exceptions to this, because I'm just trying to describe what I think how I think it roughly roughly works out for most people, like how they define themselves, how they how they um, think think of their, their their first pole of allegiance, so to speak. Um, there are people who will buck th- those rules, but as a, as a general matter, I do think that civics programs are like at scale. We can't. Like, someone who is born into a country, which they which instinctively they feel was built by their ancestors at scale again I'm talking in general not universally just in general in general They're going to feel a much more uh, profound sense of emotional attachment to the place than Foreigners who may have the best of intention best of intentions in the world But Foreigners born el- elsewhere. You're not going to be able to replicate that what what I feel for example when I I'm in front of Westminster Abbey uh, in 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 uh, in the hearts of tens of thousands of foreigners who may like it, may think it's very admirable architecture, just as I might go to China and look at some of the architecture and think gosh isn't this, isn't this tremendous? But it's going to be very difficult for, for me to feel the same way that a Chinese person would feel about it. I don't
1: think it would be if you were, if you Were born had, there, grew up there. Or even if you moved there but you were surrounded by Chinese people that you loved, that were, you were part of their community, then you mm. would I think emotionally ad- adopt it. Well maybe it. we should ask why
0: Evan doesn't think he can do it.
1: I don't know, I mean... Again, I've been trying to grapple with this
2: for for a while now. And I mean, the best that I've been able to come up with, maybe this is just a a failure of my own imagination, is it's much like um, that famous uh, quote when they were trying to define pornography. And it was Mm. like, um, I can't can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Mm -hmm. And the same thing comes with cultural heritage. It's like, I can't define how it's come across, but I know it when I feel it. Mm -hmm. And I think you can have that. I mean, it's just, it's damn difficult to do on scale. That's um, and that's and that's the real problem. I mean, you know, I came to Britain and I do feel somewhat like a, a little bit of a kinship here, but it's not it's not exactly the same thing. So I think that could grow over time, you know. Mm. But I think the idea that again, too, I'm from Canada, which is a Commonwealth country. You know, I still remember when I was a child that there was elements of British culture within Canada. I mean, that's completely gone now, but I I, I can still remember that. So it's close to something that is also very close to my childhood in a way that America was not when mm. I lived there. So I think maybe that still has a part mm. to do with it, but I mean I think the reason that people write so much and try to grapple with these questions is there just isn't a really damn good clear no. answer. there's right not on. a clear which answer. Which is why
0: you need to talk about it in terms of generalities, never in terms of universalities, which I'm not doing. Mm.
1: I think one difference between most western countries and other countries in the world is that if you come here, like Evan, if you come to Britain and choose to be a Brit, mm. That you would then be accepted by Brits as a Brit. So it's my fault. It's no <laughs> cho- because he's not
0: choosing to be. <laughs> yeah, if you were I'm like, you know what, <laughs>
1: like, I'm going to get my British passport, I'm going to I'm going to become a British citizen, and I'm going to mm. I'm going to learn the national anthem, I'm going to adopt British mm. traditions and values. I am going to just fully go for it. Maybe it's a cookie. People would accept out. you as as a Brit, and, and I think that that is that's common across uh, Western Europe and 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 maybe Australia, New Zealand and and in America in in a way that it is probably not so common. Well,
2: I mean, Douglas Murray mentioned this in the Trigonometry podcast that just got released and he said, you know, talking about the 100,000 man march for, you know, the anti-Israel march, Mm. um, he said, you know, this is a civilizational moment and we had to give uh, we, ha- we have to give things up, Britain's had to give this up before, they had to do it in World War II, they had to do it when I think it was fighting against the Norman Conquest. No, no, he mentioned um, fighting against the, the Napoleonic Wars. Okay, and it was something with an N. Um, and it was that um, what we give up is we give up extending tolerance to people who are unwilling to extend it back. And I thought that was really quite sad because I think, you know, in a way he, in a way that Douglas is, seems to be often the only person capable of doing, it, it, that is kind of the key value of the West in a way in that it, it does extend tolerance perhaps to people that even it shouldn't on the hope that it they'll prove them wrong. Yeah, this is predicted by
1: Michelle Huelbeck and Oriana Fallaci, is that ultimately Liberalism would invite mm. its downfall. Mm. It would tolerate that which would no longer tolerate it. And so, and and that's what we're seeing. Mm. and And so, then I would say, well, if there's, everything has limits, including tolerance. Right. And so, we have we have gone past the limits of tolerance and we need to wind it in.
0: What one point I would want to make here though, and this is why I was trying, perhaps inelegantly, to walk a tightrope, a bit of a uh, a a tightrope earlier between what I would call complacent civic nationalism and hard ethno-nationalism of the variety that wants to, you know, deport people who don't meet this exact phenotype. Can you
1: explain civic nationalism?
0: So, I, I would describe civic nationalism as the belief that you can locate what it means to belong to a given bit of real estate, a country. You can locate that purely in terms of whether people who want to come into that country sign up to a given set of ideals that define that country or a given set of values that define that country. And so, to that extent, it has, and this is one of its virtues, it doesn't fixate on race. It doesn't need to fixate on race because race doesn't determine what people think necessarily. Uh, but it, but it, I think it wants to focus too much on ideas and wants to intellectualize the meaning of citizenship for people and say well do you, when you read the, um, the Federalist Papers for, for America for example, America is particularly vulnerable to civic nationalism, like, when you read the, the Declaration of Independence, when you read the Constitution, when you read the Federalist Papers, do you read these and do you think that these are good ideas and if you think that these are good ideas then the, even if you're from a completely different part of the world there's no reason why you can't become an American or that sort of thing that can I think that that can work on very individualized cases where people do think about their citizenship in an intellectual way but given that most people don't do that for example this is an example I like to use there will be tons of Indians in India who know way more about the common law which is an English thing who know way more about the common law than say your average pensioner here in England but I think that that pensioner doesn't need to know a ton about the common law in order to be British. All she or he or she needs to know is that the common law is English and it's good. And if you tell them that they'll be happy because it's an emotional sense of attachment that they have that they have to the place. And I don't think that, that an Indian plucked at random would make a better English person than those pensioners just because he knows what the common law is. So civic nationalism is vulnerable to those sorts of things because it's purely in favor of locating citizenship in, in terms of ideas. And the thing I wanted to say to, to you, because you talk about liberalism, I think it's right. Liberalism wants to extend tolerance, you aren't necessarily going to extend it to extend it back. If assimilation is just about making people into liberals, i.e. making them believe in liberal ideas, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to feel an immense con- 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 conservative <coughs> attachment to Britain as such. I think that at scale, that's the sort of thing that you can only really get going once it's Evan marries an English girl, has, has has half English children and th- those people will, will be able to see their ancestors reflected in Britain re- reflected in the achievements of Britain in the way that Evan and people now, like we, him at scale will just
1: assumes that it's just political ideas because I, I don't think it's just that you know it would be to adopt like not necessarily that you're a monarchist but even if you were to adopt the tradition of republicanism in yeah, Britain that's that. kind of like a really English thing to do mm. and so it's yes, not just liberalism and tolerance it's all the traditions I said if, Yes,
0: I said if assimilation is about just making people into liberals then it's then it's not enough, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, but so I'm th-
1: but then I'm saying I'm not then jumping yeah. to uh, having it be about ancestry. Mm. I'm saying there are a whole other plethora of uh, traditional ideas mm. that you can go to before get, talking about family heritage
0: and and i'm saying that what happens what how i think again i keep using the word at scale because it's really important at scale i I think the way it works out is that uh, ancestral connection shapes people's predisposition to given ideas that's Mm. the point
2: pulling pulling us whether it's republicanism
0: or you know monarchism
2: pulling us out of the philosophical and into the practical winston where the hell do we go from here i mean you know I think it was Constant Kissen at, at Arc who said, like, we thought that the barbarians were beating on the gates and then we realized that they were already inside. I mean, what what actually can be done, do you think, in, in practical terms? Um, I guess from a, you know, kind of assuming if we, or if you guys had a competent conservative government, but also too on, a, on an individual level for people who are worried. I mean, I've spoken to Jewish friends of my own now who've said that they're, they're worried to come to London. Um, and i guess maybe not just for a jew but just just for somebody who just wants to see you know maybe in a, in a personal dynamic the the ever howling feedback loop of of kind of rage that we've been enmeshed in for the last month dialed down just a little bit do, wh- what do you think that we could do there on a political level
1: and on a personal one this is you, t- you mentioned tory party um uh competence this is all at their feet yeah it's 13 years of this they're the ones who have let it spiral out of control uh, um, immigration. There's no sign of competence that they're actually going to be able to do anything about it, Um, and we've only scratched the surface of that in this conversation, but we know we're spending 8 million quid a a day uh, uh, on um, putting uh, putting up newcomers. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, last month we had uh, a recent um, uh, refugee or migrant in Hartlepool murder a local man from Hartlepool. It's every year there's a there's a Islamist attack. Um, and when David Amos, David Amos was mm. killed, the Tory party completely uh, sort of ignored what mm. the real factor about it was. It was
0: even worse than that. They tried to pass. A, they tried to. I think they tried to rechristen a law that was going to uh, go after free speech on the internet, David's Law. That because they, they act as though it was a problem with meanness on social media mm-hmm. rather than you know ha- have having important certain Islamist elements into the country.
1: Yeah, so I mean, uh, maybe some people will think that the, the Labour Party uh, will prove to be pick up mm. in competency where the Tories I, I, I see no evidence of that. There's, there's even less talent in that party than there is in the Tory party. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty un-hopeful, but I also fear that out of the ashes of all of that, maybe it's after five years of labour, mm. there will be a, a hard far right movement mm. to, because things will get worse. Yeah. And that I also am pretty worried about. Uh, this is, so this I is what I was to
2: trying to get at earlier, I, again to, I think it was Douglas who said, um, you know, if, if the government can't handle it, the people will. I mean, it's going to be one or the other and I, I really worry a lot about what that might look like if it was to get to that, that one, point. One
0: point you have consistently made on this program, Evan, is th- and I think you're right, is that um, the, the, the longer it takes for what, it's need- what needs to happen to happen, the more... Yeah, it's not d- even what needs to that happen, it's I think be. everybody
2: realizes it, that it's inevitable i think even if you ask people on the far left uh or even just on the center left you know and they, they you say something like you know do you okay so we'll agree that britain will be a sort of minority british country you know maybe it's 2080 or 2090 but that's where the trend lines are taking us and they say yeah and then you say well what do you think that sort of more native british people will feel about that and they'll be like well they'll just have to get used to it it's like get used get used to what Mm. get used to being angry i mean look at the palestinians for the past 20 years people don't get used to that it's not what happens i mean it has it has to be sorted quickly or the the response is going to be something that i I think will be legitimately terrifying and something i would like to avoid at all costs
1: i'm i'm even more pessimistic and this will sound like i've been talking to myself uh, <laughs> too long, but <laughs> Which maybe you have uh, That uh, we might be looking at a sort of fall of Rome type period mm. and loads of people say this kind of stuff but you've got to remember when Rome fell it then moved to Constantinople and I think that what might happen is that some parts of Europe fall mm. and the west moves to America which might last an extra 100 or 200 years before it falls and then parts of maybe Eastern Europe let's say Hungary or Poland who, because of what they learnt through communist rule, will Neo Byzantium. Yeah, well, I, I, hope the, I, hope, d- I hope
0: the trend lines not don't, don't match up. I hope the trend lines don't match up exactly, because I mean, Constantinople itself fell in 1453, thousand years later, for, as a result of Muslim invasion so that, that Yeah but
1: <laughs> if we get an extra thousand years That's pretty good pretty I'll good. take another thousand years I'll take a thousand years! Yeah. Yeah. A thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: not bad, I'm not gonna be around, I know. have
2: a slightly different take in that I think again you it's it's a very British thing to be pessimistic about London maybe that's one of the reasons I'll never assimilate cos I'm actually very optimistic here in the medium to long term nobody ever agrees with me on this but I'll, I'll die in the cell I think, I think America's permanently bifurcated and I think that again too, I'm basing this on if you had a competent government L- London is kind of the last refuge of the West maybe not London but you England. don't mean London you mean, England. England. you mean this country yes England is and um, I mean London's at the, the heart of England though and I think you know if you look at what happened in Australia New Zealand and Canada during COVID I think if you look at any number of figures on political um, bifurcation in America you know I think America's just too damn big I think Canada and New Zealand and uh, Australia are, are kind of too far away and they've They've kind of warped and mutated, and especially in Canada, but it seems to be the case in the other two, there's not really a good conservative uh, bulwark against kind of progressive insanity. So I think England's kind of where, as a nation, as, as, as a whole, um, a lot of the values that you know all, the, all three of us find so important are going to live and die, ultimately.
0: Well, let me ask you a question, Winston, because... Um we're going to have, I think next month, we're going to be having William Clouston on, on the show and if I'm not mistaken, you've recently joined the Social uh, Democrat Party um, William Clouston's little outfit as a, um, as a as a member, I don't know if you're going to be running, standing in a seat what, why do you see hope in that, in that movement? In, I've been in a particular?
1: member of that party for a couple of years okay. I, I, I'm a member because they're, they're the party who's um, values line up closest to mine of all the parties and so what What they it'd be interesting to see what they can put, they've just had some funding so it'd be interesting to see what mm. they do in 2024 they're going to run at uh, in the election and I, I'm cu- I'm curious to see what they see but I, I couldn't possibly oh. predict at this point um, but values wise I like what they're about, mm. they're actually having these conversations mm. Um, in a way that um, is I think a bit more honest and mm. a, uh, also I think technically pretty popular Yes uh, across the, the nation, the, the, the problem they have is no one's heard about them mm. <laughs> uh, so they, they've got their own, uh, yeah, other problems
0: Yes, mm. but I mean I mean you're, and you're right, I, mean, I was at the, uh, the conference uh, recently, it was about I don't know, 2, two or 3 weeks ago, 3 mm. or 4 weeks ago that the S- uh, SDP had S- yes, the SDP the SPD is the German one, the SDP had their conference um, and you're right, the, the conversations were very open and very unpleased. Um, would you, I mean, I, I don't know much about your own political background before you jumped into this world, perhaps unwisely, so to speak. Uh, were, were you more left-wing at a particular point in your life? Oh, and did you, did, have you had a bit of a political journey or have you always been roughly where you are now?
1: I was brought up in a Lib Dem household. Um, I was cam- I canvassed for the Lib Dems as a, a boy, mm-hmm. My dad ran ran for the Lib Dems in 87 in the SDP Alliance and um, probably voted Lib Dem most of the time up until after Brexit they just completely lost me they're neither Liberal nor Democratic and they're completely not a joke now they're even more of a joke than than the bloody Labour Party it's just like I don't know what happened there um so they lost me. I feel like mm. I, I, I like to feel like I'm both liberal and democratic. Still, um, I had a big awakening uh, around the 2015 Bataclan attack. Mm. Um, in Paris. For me, mm. yeah, in Paris when it was Eagles of Death Metal were playing a gig. I hadn't actually played that venue, but I worked in the music industry. Uh, uh, had at that point, I would have been had had worked there over 10 years. And that attack was, felt like, at my doorstep and I was like, uh, this isn't, you know, so I sort of started investigating. A lot of the rest of the industry was like, you know, love not hate and I sort of looked into Don't it. Look back in anger. Yeah, well, then that was 2017, the Manchester Arena mm. um, attack. And now that really affected me and, mm. and really sent, not away from my, li- I remain liberal but rather away from my progressivism, if I was a progressive, let's say, in that my cousin had worked in the exact spot as the merchandise girl at the Manchester Arena, my nan's from Manchester uh, I've played the Manchester Arena several times that was like Mm. and it was all kids that the the, the, the Libyan guy had killed. 23 little girls. So I I was really affronted by that as we all were Um, but the rest of the music industry went like, yeah, like don't look back in anger and I was like, what? <laughs> like, <hang on laughs> say, that's not, that's pre- not what's going I'm on here I'm pretty pissed off, yes <laughs> and so yeah. and, and before that I would probably would even have said I was mildly had a sort of semi Noam Chomsky say, oh 9-11, what did we do over there? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, but how, after that point I was like nah, these kids did absolutely fuck all yes and why is it that they've been attacked so then I kind of got deep into Islam and mm. reading this, the Quran and the, the Hadith, and and um, and that's and that and that sent me also on a, on a, a journey to sort of uh, work out what it was of, that it was to be British, a, a bit like what we've been discussing Indeed, here. Which is yes. hard to kind of answer that question even now, but yes. a kind of a, an appreciation um, of, of what of what that is, and and, and to reinforce to my liberal values, yes. I'd say. Yes. So I don't I don't feel particularly like I'm a. Conservative, it, it, but temperamentally, I'm not conservative at no. all. No. I actually find it quite difficult these conservative um, forums and stuff yes. that I, I bumped into what you guys. Do, what do you find difficult about them? Because it's the conservatives temperamentally are quite different to me, so it's quite yeah, hard to have those conversations.
2: I don't, I don't feel like a conservative at all,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. and I, I, I understand the point, but I don't. I just want to. Know, I'm interested in the details of mm. what, what what temperamentally grates.
1: Well, as small as like the the way the conversation goes, mm. is that. Um, it's it's my disposition is more what are the problems what are we going to do new that's gonna mm. sort of sort it of out and whereas a Conservative temperament will be more like what do we need to preserve? What are the best things and so it's a kind of it's not the free-flowing conversation that I would probably naturally have I enjoy the conversation No, no, so I know. I'm not offended uh, but, but better, than, <laughs> <laughs> better, better than
0: better than the kind of thing you'd get at the Labour party you, <laughs> do you think, <laughs> yes. <laughs> when, you up, up uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. when you make up problems exactly, when you make up problems and then solve them with solutions. The, with solutions
2: that you had before you formulated <laughs> the problems, yeah Do you think, yeah. it, do yes. you, if somebody said you know do you consider yourself more on the left or on the right do you think you would still say left or would you go would you say right?
1: I don't right? know if I'd ever say left I, 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 you
2: like the word liberal, don't you? I like the word liberal Yes,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: uh, one, one of the things that, because this is the reason why I asked about the S uh, again I keep, because I studied lots of, lots of, I studied lots of German uh, po- politics that, Social, Democrat the Social Democrat. Democrats Social Democrats, William Cluston's outfit they, they do, I've met lots of the people there and they do tend to uh, be sort of liberal apple states, if I may, if I can put it that way. There's a lot of that, yeah. And uh, so I just a lot uh, just of
1: former d- Labour that Labour lost them on on basically cultural issues, Indeed. So, n- yes. inability to define what a woman was, yes. uh, it, the kind of loss of patri- patriotism, uh, particularly under Corbyn. Mm. And their the, c- cultures are really important. You know, they're basically centre right on cultural issues, which isn't just about the cenotaph and Armistice Day. It's also about protecting women and in toilets and, and changing rooms that, mm-hmm. you know, these are hard-won battles, that, uh, you know, social battles and uh, rights that have been fought for uh, hundreds of years uh, and labour lost them so they moved yes. there but they, they are centre-left economically. Yeah, indeed. Um, I actually think based on the polling that I've seen about the
2: British public, that's most of the country. Yes. Centre yeah. left on economics, centre right on culture mm. and it does seem to be kind of the one thing you're not allowed mm. to be. In, yes. in many countries now, which is a shame. I actually think the SDP has a lot of potential if they can find a way to galvanize that message. Yes. I mean, but we're good friends with them. I mean, that's essentially what the NCF is, to be honest. Yeah.
0: In some ways, I mean, the, I mean, you know, a slight differences. So I've had lively discussions with William Clucas about the Corn and that sort of thing. <laughs> but whether whether whether, <laughs> whether that was a disastrous move or not in eighteen forty six, but but so there are little differences. But there, but this is the thing that, that we, I can't remember who said it. it. Might have been Dennis Healy actually. And this is something we've certainly lost as a nation. That he said that I uh, used to call it in terms um that that little inch of difference in which the british people live and mm. uh, then there, there, there has always been i think it might have been denisee i could be getting that wrong viewers will no doubt correct me if i have um but the, the, a sense that um britain benefits from like, a, a a a wonderful degree of unity but without conformity mm. uh that because we, we 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 the things we share are, are are exist and we take them as givens and then we have little debates about about how we're how we going to make good on what we have as a country. And that, that's something that has been uh, certainly lost. I, th- I th- also think that one of the things that has been lost, and it's very interesting that you say this, this whole idea of defining Britishness is something that we didn't even used to have to do because it was so ingrained in us. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I studied intellectual history quite a, 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 a good deal. You won't find people in the 1880s debating what it means to be British because it was just implicit, it was just implicit. It it just, it was just implicit. It really so not. it's partly a function of the kind of demographic change that we've seen and also the cultural demoralisation we've seen over the last 50 years. That we have to have these conversations in the first place. It's
2: actually very interesting because I don't know if that same conversation has taken place in America. Mm. Um, I think it has taken place in Canada, though Canada did enshrine multiculturalism into its, mm. its founding charter uh, a little while back. But I, I feel like there is something uniquely British about having to argue about what is what does it mean to be British in a weird way. There is now. Yeah, <laughs> now, unfortunately.
0: Very quickly, before we, before we finish up, uh, Winston. Um, it's cause you, we probably should have talked about this a little bit more but you you were obviously very involved in the arts world for, for, for a hu- huge amount of your life I, I don't know if you still are um, do you think that the intolerant conformism that from the outside at least seems to exist in the arts world in the entertainment world do you think that that has a deleterious effect on the on the cultural output of of of, of those um, industries or does it just make them socially harder to navigate for people who want to think about these things openly and freely I, what, what's your sense of of that situation.
1: There's that, it's there's definitely again this comes back down to temperament but naturally being the creative industries, it attracts a lot of people with a similar temperament. There is a correlation if you look at Jonathan Hayes' moral foundations Mm -hmm. theory, there's a, he puts a correlation between temperament and uh, politics and so you're more likely to be progressive if you are the artist as he, or the poet I think is the word he uses and so like in the industry uh, let's say if it was you working in, on Wall Street, it would be, you know, free market. <coughs> uh, there would be, you know, it would attract free marketeers types, and all, all places are prone to having, all communities are prone to groupthink, uh, and the art, arts world is no, prone different. To, yeah. no different to progressives. Now, um, so and and part of contemporary progressivism is pretty totalitarian, so mm. that does have a very negative effect on. Um, uh, the outputs. Uh, output and creativity, I, I, I have lot of, the, the, The thing to counter that is that I have so, so many people in the arts messaging me privately because I put my head about above yes. the parapet. Asking <laughs> me and, uh, you know, and wanting to talk about politics and, you know, pretty famous people, certainly far more famous than I am and, um, but not just them, like from from people who run music instrument factories to mm massive pop stars and and everyone in between and w- so in a direct answer to your question a friend of mine uh, who again his, I always thought they were a normie until they <laughs> came out and, and it turned out they were a lot of opinions <laughs> and they're uh, many they're,
2: such cases they're gonna get
1: in trouble if they uh, get found out but he describes um, being in the studio and not being able to talk to anyone about it and it reminded me of being in the studio when you're surrounded by people where you're worried about what you're going to say might be, get you in trouble, what the psychological effect that has on you is not just your words that are self-censored, but that your music as well. Like it just, it changes your brain so that you're no longer free-flowing, because you're no longer free. And um, so certainly for artists who are, collaborative in any way they it's definitely having an effect on them um there's it's it's just again tying back to the beginning of this conversation a lot of jews in the industry have been reaching out to me Mm. right they're not saying anything um, publicly because there will be professional repercussions for them largely because a lot of the particularly pop music it's basically at the mercy of girls aged 17 to 25 because that's where all the money is because those are all the pop singers and they're the, all the ones who have this outlandish ripping the posters down yes. progressive ideology and um, you know these are also they're totalitarian they won't work with people who haven't got the, the same opinions as them so a lot of Jews uh, some of whom have been singled out by anti-semites but they're just scared and they and they keep quiet so there's a there's a lot of self-censoring going on in, 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 in the creative industries. Whether it means that the output is worse... That's, uh, so that's not for us to judge. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, I, uh, you know, listeners and viewers and yourselves I'm sure will have opinions on that. Well Winston,
0: it's been, it's, been, it's been an absolute privilege. Thank you so much for joining us in program. Lively and contentious at times, that's part of the fun. Uh, thank you so much. Evan, thanks as ever. Thank you, you Harrison. Thank you. You've been watching DEPROGRAMMED. Make sure to like, subscribe and leave a comment if you wish. And we shall see you on the
3: next one. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel, it's completely free, just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.